When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Kia ora, good morning. It is three past nine. Update for you from the uh, Kiwi Fern semi-final against England. It is currently 6-4 to England. Uh, Kiwi Fern's right on attack and looking to force another uh, six. But no, uh, the Poms have regathered just short of the line. So uh, England will be running it out from their own goal line. We'll keep you up to date with the score in this Rugby League semi-final as it goes on. Coming up on the show today, Maya Jackman's going to join us shortly. Uh, former football Fern, uh, the football Ferns take on South Korea today in the second match of that series. We'll t- uh, talk to her about how she thinks they're, they're tracking ahead of the World Cup here next year. Tom McDermott is going to join us as well. He's a, a football journalist and podcaster out of Manchester. We'll get his take on the Cristiano Ronaldo Piers Morgan situation and are his actions tarnishing his legacy at the club? We'll get that from Tom McDermott for you around 9.30. After 10 o'clock, uh, we'll have the Black Cap squad. Uh, is going to be named for India. There's uh, some rumours during the rounds that Martin Guptill will not make it. And uh, so a lot of people saying, is this the end of Martin Guptill as a Black Cap? We'll have to find that out. We'll let you know after 10 o'clock when that team comes out. Also, Simon Hampton's going to join us from the 3rd and 5 podcast. We're going to talk some NFL and the Kyrie Irving saga with the Brooklyn Nets as that rumbles on. We're going to have a panel as well from around 10.20 with uh, Brendan Bradford and uh, I'm not sure who else, someone else will come on as well. We're going to be talking the World Rugby Awards. Adi Savia being omitted from the Player of the Year finalists. Um, that, that's, some t- that's a talking point there. We'll also talk Black Ferns, Black Caps and the FIFA World Cup as well. And after 11 o'clock, Honey Hitting My Smiler is going to join us, the former Kiwi Ferns captain. We're going to talk the semi-final and how the final matchup uh, against the Kangaroos is going to look. Of course, we've already seen the Kiwi Ferns run the Kangaroos close in pool play. Um, no guarantee they're going to uh, they're going to make the final, but uh, they do look like they've got the upper hand on the Poms at the moment. And uh, if it is a Kiwi Ferns Jillaroo's matchup uh, rematch in the final, how does she think it's all going to go? We also have another fifty dollars TAB bonus bet up for grabs with Stumped as well. All that and more to come for you right here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Joining us now is former football fern Maya Jackman. G'day, Maya. How are you? Good morning, Ricardo. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Uh, we've got the, the football ferns. We've got ferns of all sorts in action at the moment. Black ferns on the weekend, kiwi ferns at the moment, the football ferns this afternoon. We just need the white ferns to be playing a, a T20 somewhere, and it's all, <laughs> we've, got, we've got the full set. I know. How great is it for women's sport at the moment? Um, I was at the final, actually, on the, the black ferns, and that was absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, 
happening. So, yeah, I'm still on a high from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you a taste of what we're going to get for the when the FIFA World Cup's here, right? Because I think, uh, you know, all that stadia um, is going to be sold out for all those games. It's going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to bring down a lot of people as well. So... Uh, very excited for what that's going to bring. Yeah, indeed. Well, let's talk about the football ferns, mate. I mean, they, they, the first game against uh, South Korea was a 1-0 loss. I mean, they started really well and they finished strong, probably dominated the the last half hour of that match. But I guess the work on at the moment for Yitka is consistency of performance across the 90? Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, that would be it completely. And um, and the girls will know that as well. And, and that's I think that's something that the... the that's the the thing across the board, across a lot of the games, is that consistency for ninety minutes, um, and we haven't quite grasped that yet. <laughs> um, but I, I missed the first ten, but I did see the last. Uh, I, I mean, I probably missed the first ten, and that was it. Trying to find a Sky Guy pin number. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know your pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I managed to to see the rest of it, and yeah, I mean that last that last uh, ten and fifteen, they they really. They really showed, I guess, themselves that they can ramp it up and um, put the pressure on if they have to. And can they do that for... I mean, you can't do it for 90 minutes, um, but can they be consistent in their defence as well when they're not with the ball? Yeah, I mean, Olivia Chance, I thought, really stood up as she hit the post a couple of times uh, in that match. But it feels like without Wilkie, we're struggling to find someone to lead the line, uh, someone who's an out-and-out nine. Yeah, I mean, Wilkie's, you know, her experience was very, very well missed and, and um, Liv and Wilkie are definitely different players for sure, so they they both bring different strengths. So we um, we missed having Wilkie as that, that nine to um, to lead the charges, as you say, up the front and, and allow Liv maybe a little bit more of her maverick manoeuvres. Um, I mean, she's, she's a skillful player and she will be, um, I mean, I know Liv well and she'll be really... Um, you know, getting on top of herself about not finishing those chances because we don't get many. That's the thing with with the football fans is we get very little chances and when we get them, we really need to make them count and she'll know that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Where do you think the goals are going to come from here and what do you see that Yitka is trying to do with the football fans that might uh, unlock that for us? I think what she's asking of the girls is to, um, to play in a way that suits the the individual but the group as well it's um not trying to take away the individual flair that each player has and the strengths that they have i think it's trying to um make you know like it's okay to make mistakes at this point in time as well and and learn from that i know we're not that far out from um from the world cup beginning but the girls have to um have that confidence in you know, mistakes will come, and and how do we rectify those? And it's not, it's you know, not pushing them away from trying the things that they're really good at. Um, I think that's what she's wanting to to see from the girls, and we'll see a bit of sloppiness here and there, and and where they don't seem gelling because they're still, you know, I mean, we we're missing, we missed quite a few players in in that game as well, so there'll be a little bit of disjoint feeling in the team as well. Yeah, I mean, I, um, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the players that we're missing, uh, I mean, I, I think the problem for Yetka at the moment is a lot of those players that we're missing are players that could potentially do the job that Hannah Wilkinson does um, when, when, you know, when she's not there. You know, people like Jackie Hand and, and, and people like that. I mean, 
I guess it's it's finding another way to play with it doesn't that doesn't need a uh, yeah. a dominant number nine, right? I guess you know from to, to put it in an all whites parlance, it's tr- it's trying to play without Chris Wood, but having someone like Marco Rojas and try to figure out how you make that work. Yeah, just and and having different game plans. Around, you can, I mean, you just can't have a game plan around one person, obviously, because if they're not there, then it's that game plan falls down. So, um, yeah, it is having game plans around other people's strengths. Um, and 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 the the full squad as a as a whole as well. Um, you've got to have you've got to play to your strengths, but you've got to know who you're playing as well. And um, yeah, it's 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 a tough it's a tough one. It's um it's I mean the the game on uh, Saturday was probably I mean a big game for the girls because it's the first time they've been back in a long time. Um, and so all of that emotion and stuff will will be running and. They've, they know where they're going now with the World Cup and who they're playing. So, yeah, it's just, I, I guess, trying that consistency and, and playing players consistently, but can you get them if they're injured? It's, it's, a, it's a hard one. Mm. I mean, if you had to play a competitive game tomorrow, I mean, not that t- today won't be competitive, but you know what I mean, a, a competition game tomorrow, and you didn't have Hannah Wilkinson ready to lead the line, what? Well, who would you be looking at as that forward line for the football ferns? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think if um, uh, Paige Satchel is, is looking good to me, um, mm-hmm. she's she has said the same kind of attributes as Wilkie, you know, athletic and fast, and she's disruptive as well. Um, and uh, it was a, a shame to see... Um, Rollo come off with with an injury because she's I think she's she's just been plagued with injuries here and there but she's she's such a great player but I think um, I think for me um, Liv and, and Paige are, are two players that we really need to look look at as well if we don't have a Wilkie. Mm. And in terms of the rest of the team, the balance of the rest of the team, you're happy with what you're seeing? Um, I mean, goals are a problem for for New Zealand football teams across across the grades and across uh, men's and women's at the moment. But I mean, outside of scoring goals, defensively, structurally, uh, how we set up, are you, are you happy with what you're seeing under Yetcher at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it keeps changing. <laughs> We've got um, you've got like um, Michaela Moore and. Um, and Liz Anton on on the flank, and they're typically centre backs, so that's that's hard. Uh, it's hard to you, you think it's just like I've played centre back and I've played full back, and they're close, but they're not they're not they're not the same type of role. So um, I don't know. We had Anna Green on the bench. It might have been um, great to see her come on with that um, out and out left left full back. Um, yeah, it's it's I think I, it just looks like there's a lot of um, just. Uh, you know, do, trying different things at the moment. Um, we just didn't. We just were outclassed by Koreans' um, passing and tempo, and and um, and they pressed well. And, and in the end, we did as well. And at the beginning, we did as well. But um, yeah, we just defensively, I think we're we're opened up too much as well at the moment. In terms of um, some players that are important to the football ferns, I mean, Ellie Riley's always been very important. She's been a captain for a long time, but she's been battling injuries. Rhea Percival had a had that knee, bad knee injury last season. She can't be too far away from coming back, but she's not involved this time around. Um, how important is that we get those two back on the field regularly? Um, yeah, Rhea is, I mean, she's our most consistent 
player and has been for years and not having her there is a real loss. Um, Ellie Riley's experience is is missed. I think she's um yeah, been she's been plagued with injuries as well. She's this would probably be her last hurrah, I'd say. Um not sure about Rhea but I think even if even if Ellie's not fit to get on, just having her in the environment um is really key and um and having Rhea in the environment and on the field is really, really important to me. Um, just because she's just that that class of player that um, we don't have many of them in yet, but she's um, she's definitely for me probably our, our most important um, asset. But it, you know we just don't have her at the moment. So, but she's you know she's looking good. She's six months in, and um, I think she'll be there for sure. Um, Ellie Riley, I know she's always been a, a, a fallback, um, but I'm just thinking about you know as you said she's getting towards the end of her professional career and representative career, um, with her skill set and the way that she could read the game, um, do you see? Do you think she could possibly transition to be a, you know, a defensive midfield player, somebody that doesn't maybe have to get up and down the flank so much, which might help her extend her career, but because she reads the game so well, just sitting in front of that defence and, and, and winning the ball and, and breaking up attacks? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean that's, that's where they've um, placed Rhea. Um mm. Because you know she's been a fullback and she's um, she's really enjoyed that sort of in the midfield role as well. And um, with when you have that type of experience that Ellie has, I think she could definitely slot in there and, and save save her legs a little bit. But in saying that, we have to have the be able to keep the ball and make sure that our midfield aren't you know doing doing too many doggies as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just. Just being able to yeah have someone that controls that that midfield that I'm you know she's got a, a lot of experience I mean it would be a big transition for her but um, as you say she reads the game well and she has so much experience and it could it could be a good go to yeah it could be it could be something else that uh, could be good uh, if if we could get a, a proper clear answer on it would be um, what Abby Ursig's doing. Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything official to say that she's retired from playing international football, but she doesn't seem to be involved a lot. I know she's back here on holiday at the moment, but she's not involved in the camp. Have, have you heard anything? Um, no, actually, I'm catching up with her uh, next week, <laughs> so then, then I might hear something. Um, but like I said before, she's uh, she's just had knee surgery. I'm not actually so sure how, how bad that was, and I think it was a bit of a... Um, she had a fractured tibia mm. and some menis- meniscus stuff yeah. um, that she's been trying to get through. So it's not a great, um, not a great injury for her to be carrying and then having surgery. So I think she's just focusing on rehabbing that. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know what that is going forward in terms of the ferns. Um, I know for her club stuff, she's um, still going to keep going. Um, but yeah, in terms of the ferns, I might be able to tell you next week. <laughs> All right, we'll, get, we'll call you this time next week and we'll find out, we'll get the goss. Um, before, <laughs> before we let you go, Myra, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Wellington Phoenix women's team kick off their season uh, this weekend uh, against Melbourne City. There'll be uh, potentially a couple of Kiwis involved there with Katie Bowen signing for Melbourne City recently and obviously Hannah Wilkinson there as well. Uh, what do you make up of the, uh, what do you make of the makeup of the Phoenix squad this season? Certainly a bit more experience. Oh yeah, like I think um, yeah, there's there's a lot more experience, and they've been able to have some time to pull this squad together. Unlike last season, where it was a bit of a um, 
uh, grasping at straws was, and then just having to go forward with a really young team. So I'm actually really excited to to see how they go this season with um, with the players that they've got. Unfortunately, uh, Annalie Longo was meant to be in that team as well, so they'll, they'll be missing her. Um, but yeah, Betsy has it. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of good names that will bring a lot more strength to the team this year as well as keeping those players that, that sort of led the force last year as well. Yeah, yeah, Paige Satchel in there, of course. I, I don't know how bad Emma Ralston's injury is, but she's a, uh, she was the player the, the Phoenix signed to be Annalie Longo's replacement, so hopefully that doesn't keep her out too long. <laughs> well, hopefully not, because she's, you know, she's had a real run of, of bad luck and she needs she needs some good good luck to, to get her back up and, and running because I really, really rate Emma Ralston as a player. Mm. No, it should be a great asset at this uh, at A-League level, I think, for the Phoenix. It'll be great to see. Hey, Maya, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Enjoy that game this afternoon. Kicks off at uh, 5.30 in Christchurch, and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week when you can give us the lowdown on what ABUC is up to. <laughs> OK, cool. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Maya see Jackman you. there with us. Uh, talking football, the Ferns in action today, 5.30 in Christchurch against South Korea. Uh, the second game of that two-game series as they start to preparation for the World Cup. Speaking of World Cups, it is half-time in the Rugby League World Cup semi-final and the Kiwi Ferns lead England by 8-6, to six, but they've missed both their kicks. Hopefully that doesn't come back and bite us. We'll keep you up to date with the score in that as it progresses, but half-time at the moment, 8-6 to the Kiwi Ferns. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.25 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy will be back in the chair for you on Thursday, actually. Uh, Ricardo Ball filling in until then. And uh, just uh, confirming that halftime score, it is 8-6 to the Kiwi Ferns against England in the Rugby League World Cup semi-final. And uh, I'll keep you up to date with that just at halftime at the moment. Uh, You can uh, send us your texts, your thoughts on a bunch of things coming through at the moment. There's a whole bunch of news Uh, 0800 is our number or double eight double three the temper bedpost text machine. Um, one of the things that's uh, been blowing up over in the UK at the moment is Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, he has done an interview with Piers Morgan uh, and for The Sun. It's going to be a full 90-minute interview, apparently. He sat down. It's exclusive, in inverted commas. Uh, the whole thing hasn't actually been released yet. They're doing what they do best and, and you know, sort of releasing it in bits to try and drum up as much um, speculation as possible about what's being said. But it doesn't read well if you're a Manchester United fan, because it seems like there is a massive disconnect between Cristiano Ronaldo and the club. Here's a taste of what he said to Piers Morgan the other day. They're trying to force you out, yes. Not only the coach, but the other two or three guys there around the club. At uh, the senior executive level? Yes, that I felt betrayed. And uh, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Honestly, I shouldn't say that, I don't know, but listen, I, I don't care, I'm always... People should listen to the truth. Yes, I feel betrayed. And I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. I don't know what's going on, but since, since the, um, Sarah Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. 
So, yeah, that's what he said. Um, he's certainly thrown Eric Ten Hag under the bus, the uh, new coach or manager at Manchester United. He said that Ten Hag doesn't respect him, so he doesn't respect Ten Hag, which I find difficult to believe. Um, I think uh, there's uh, a few different Manchester United uh, reporters, uh, journalists and uh, Twitter and podcasters out there who have have are tackling this. We're going to talk to one of them after 9.30 in Tom McDermott. But this, I think, pretty much sums it up. He flirted to leave all summer. No club wanted him, didn't turn up for pre-season, refused to come on as a sub, left the game early, played terribly when he did play. We're a better team without him. He's 37 and passed it. He can't accept it, so he's blaming everyone else. And then he did an interview with Piers Morgan. See you later. Um, I think that pretty much sums up most of the feeling from the United fan base, um, and I, I don't, I can't say I blame them. It's tarnishing his legacy. I think definitely we'll talk to Tom uh, McDermott about that shortly because one of the things he said is that uh, he didn't get support uh, when he had a sick child. Um, his three-year-old was very ill and in hospital. And wanted to stay with her. Um, he didn't have to go on the preseason tour. Like they said, look, don't come on preseason tour. Sort yourself out and then come back when you're ready. That obviously meant that he wasn't fit when he came back, so he didn't get straight into the team. Um, that to me sounds reasonably supportive. I thought it's good to be back, by the way. Uh, sorry if I sound a bit croaky still. Producer Logan back in the chair. How good. I thought he got plenty of support, both from the club and from the fans and from the footballing world. I think a lot of people seem to have reached out to him. Obviously, very, very hard situation to, to go through. I thought everyone did what the best that they could to help him in that situation. How do you not get support? And then you go to someone like Pierce Morgan, I feel filthy just playing that thirty-second clip. Yeah, just you need, feel like you need to go wash your mouth out after you've said his name. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's how it feels to me. But I mean, yeah, and there's a, there's a few other things here too. So, you know, you talk about professionalism. Um, he was told to go on as a substitute with about five minutes left in the game and refused to go on, and then stormed off down the tunnel. Now, if you're Eric Ten Hag, the United manager, you every, I think you got every right there, then and there, just to wash your hands with Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't. He suspended him for a game, stood him down, told him to train with the reserves, then brought him back for a game, and then the next game gave him the captaincy. So isn't that a bit of a, uh, here's some support, here's an olive branch, let's sort this out, uh, and then he goes and does that. So you know sympathy for me, for, for Cristiano Ronaldo, but keen to hear from you and what you think. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Flick us through your thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo and what he's done Talking to the Sun and Piers Morgan. Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. I have the feeling that he wants to get sacked because he wants to leave. He wants to go somewhere else. He's not getting the football. He's not getting the love. Uh, and so he's doing this to try and get himself sacked. That's what I think. Melissa Reddy, who is one of the uh, top uh, football anchors at Sky Sports UK, said this, United's prep for the season, formative months of Ten Hag's reign, new culture is being created. Their most complete display was versus Spurs. That was the best in ages. The high of a future star coming on and scoring the late winner and the collective. And all of it was undercut by Cristiano Ronaldo releasing this video on the day of the last game before the World Cup break. That is betrayal. He's claiming the club have betrayed him, but that is betrayal right there. Can you get your thoughts? Double eight, double three, the temper bedpost text machine. We're going to go and get the latest 
from Araha in News and Sport. When we come back, Tom McDermott out of Manchester to give us his thoughts and the vibe of the city. Now Rich Faye out of Manchester. G'day Rich, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you very much. How are you? It's been a, a very busy day. Uh, it's hard to, hard to even remember that United played football <laughs> yesterday, to be honest. Well, that's a, that's part of the thing about the timing of this coming out, isn't it? You know, you, you had a guy that could potentially be the, the future of Manchester United and Garancho scoring a, a, a late winner, and that should have been celebrated. But all the talk has been about uh, a 37-year-old star who's not happy with not being in the team. Exactly, yeah. It was a real... He timed it to perfection, really, from his point of view, because he's sort of pulled the the, hat, the pin out of the grenade and walked away. He's not have to deal with this now for five or six weeks, depending on how well Portugal do at the World Cup. But from United's point of view, it couldn't have happened at a worse time now because this international break that they were headed into was on a high. They won at Fulham. They were starting to show signs of progress under Eric Ten Hag. And now all of the discussion is going to be, be about Cristiano Ronaldo again. It is. I mean, does... Is this, I mean, J.B. Carragher on Sky Sport has suggested that he's done this because he wants to get sacked. Is that your feeling? I mean, I, I, I hard to see another reason why you would do this. Yeah, exactly. This is the sort of nuclear option for him. I mean, he wanted to leave in the summer. Nobody wanted to buy him. That was the main issue now. And this seems like the only sort of way for him to, to force his way out of the club because looking ahead to the January window when he would have been able to move next, there wasn't really a team that looked suitable to buy him. United didn't want to make a loss and don't want to make a loss on him as a, as a, as a player. So someone would have to have paid a fee from in January and taken on his massive wages. So that didn't look like it was ever going to happen. So the only other way for Ronaldo to get out would be by termination of his contract. But the complication with that is, is would United have to pay him off? I mean, is he in breach of his contract? They're going to consider taking legal action with all this. And before they make their next step, they are consulting lawyers to see just what has happened, really. What are the stipulations of his contract? Because if Ronaldo's coming out and disrespecting his employers and believe that one of the clips which hasn't been aired yet, he does make his opinion on the Glazer family who own the club quite uh, prominent. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how it pans out, really. And from United's point of view, I think they do want to eventually just cut loose from him and, and have this fresh start. But there's so much sort of legal issues involved with it as well. It's a real fascinating dynamic. It is. I mean, it's it, it, where this goes from here is anybody's guess. Um, but as you say, uh, the dynamic is really interesting here because, I mean, it's not that many years ago there was a precedent set here. I mean, we had Roy Keane do an interview which was actually sanctioned by the club with the club's only TV, own TV channel in which he called out a few teammates and he ended up getting sacked for that interview it was when Sir Alex Ferguson was obviously still at the helm. Um, so, I mean, if he can get sacked for doing an interview that was sanctioned, uh, the club seemed well within their rights to, to sack him for this one. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if you're refusing to play, which he did, he refused to come on, he didn't go to training, he, he, he explained why he didn't go on the preseason tour, that was due to, to family issues. But if he's refusing to do the job he's paid for and contractually paid for, then that is breach of contract. And again, if he's then coming out and publicly bad-mouthing his employers and bad-mouthing the manager as well, then, then yeah, that is all breach of contract. And it just seems like a real nasty way for it all to end because Cristiano Ronaldo is still a Manchester United legend. The fans maybe have lost their temper with him now and had enough of him, but lots of fans online are still fanatic about him and still love him and still 
he has this, like we say, that's almost cult following of fans who won't have any bad words said about him. So it's just really odd because he is on his day an incredible footballer, one of the greatest of all time. And yet he's maybe going to be affecting his legacy. And by the time he does leave Manchester United, some fans will, will really maybe think again about how they, how they do regard him. Yeah, the cult of Cristiano Ronaldo, eh? Um, I know that, you know, I think most fans see this for what it is, an ego play, uh, and, and are, are over him. I mean, uh, there's been talk of if it's tarnishing his legacy. I, I, I don't think it's so much a if it's a how much, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult now, isn't it? And the other peculiar sort of dynamic was that he named Wayne Rooney and had a go at Wayne Rooney, called him out, who is, you know, his former teammate, they, they got along well when they were playing together. And yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo is, from what I've seen online, particularly today covering the story, lots of fans seem to have burnt their bridges with him and said, you know, he's not as good as we ever thought he was. We've always sort of pandered to his ego. And that's that's maybe the problem with Cristiano Ronaldo is what makes him so good as a footballer is that he's so self-indulgent and only driven by his own personal goals and ambitions, which, you know, when he's playing really well and scoring goals and really gluttonous to, to have more, that is that is really good for a team. But when things are going sour, as they have done at Manchester United, it then causes a lot of problems. But I think the biggest question is, what did he expect? He joined a team who were never going to be properly challenging for the Premier League, and then he complains that they're not as good as they used to be. Everyone knew that. You, you don't even have to follow full closely to know Manchester United haven't been very good for the last 10 years. And why Ronaldo thought he'd be able to walk back in and make them amazing again is, is baffling. It is. I mean, we've had three managers in a row that um, haven't really wanted him. I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted him. He was kind of foisted on him, and that ended up costing Ole his job. Then you've had Braniak, and now you've got Ten Hag. I mean, he's claimed that Ten Hag's disrespected him, but given that you storm off down the... You know, he did a Piers Morgan and stormed off. Uh, shall we say after yeah. that, you know that uh, that Spurs game? Uh, but then he was allowed back into the team, and he actually given the captaincy, which seems like plenty of respect for me for a guy who did what he's done, and and that was an olive branch from Ten Hag. So to do this, um, it really undermines his position. Exactly, and like you said, he's just throwing his toys out of the pram. He's at a tantrum because he's not had it the way he wants. He's like a spoiled toddler. Mm. He's not got what he wants, so he cries off. And yeah, again, very much like Piers Morgan. Which, you know, it's just a very weird one, isn't it? Because Ten Hag, maybe the only mistake Ten Hag has made is that he did offer him a way back in the first place. And now Ronaldo has ruined that. And, you know, he had the game in pre-season the summer before the the league even started. He left the game early at half-time. He was forgiven, brought back in again. He did it again in the Tottenham game. Then he came back, captained them against Aston Villa. And then a week later, he's saying he has no respect for Ten Hag whatsoever. So... I think all the United fans are on Team Ten Hag for this. There's very few who actually sympathise with Ronaldo because Ten Hag has brought back the, the the power being with the manager. For too long, Manchester United have been ruled by the players. You think Paul Pogba, you think Ronaldo. They were bigger than the team itself, really. And Sarks Ferguson always said that nobody will ever be bigger than Manchester United. And, and it's turning out to be that way again. It's It's a real weird one, but it might be in an odd way, another win for Ten Hag because the unity behind him is even stronger now. Fans support him even more and the club will ultimately back Ten Hag and let him decide to deal with Ronaldo however he wants.
Mm. Well, I mean, the, you know, if you can if you can effectively push Cristiano Ronaldo out of the club because he's not doing what you want to do, um, there's no bigger name in football. So <laughs> I think that takes away the player power that you know the Paul Pogba's and Jesse Lingards used to have in that dressing room. What about some of his former teammates? Because guys like Rio Ferdinand and bizarrely Roy Keane have actually defended him a lot in the press in the past. Have we heard anything from them uh, post this Piers Morgan interview? We've not heard much from them um, publicly. I mean, the annoying thing is that they, I mean, the quotes have come out after games have been played in the UK this weekend. So we've now got to wait for the World Cup coverage to start before the former teammates are asked again, really, on, on this matter. But it's been really weird. And those former teammates have been widely mocked by other supporters. I mean, Jamie Carragher's one as well, the Liverpool legend, who says, you know, what are you on about? Roy Keane would hate to share a dressing room with Ronaldo, the current Ronaldo, because... He goes against everything United stand for and this unity and togetherness and being better as a collective than you are individually. It's been really weird that some of these former teammates have just not had a bad word to say about him. And I guess it was the same when Solskjaer was in charge. He almost had a free pass from former teammates who were all saying, well, Solskjaer's not the problem, it's Man United as a whole. And I guess it's just a weird dynamic when it is one of your mates who's under the firing line and for Roy Keane, you know, he'll say Ronaldo's one of the greatest players he ever played with and he still seems to be a bit in awe of him. And yeah, it's a really weird dynamic, but the majority of fans see through that and they just think Ronaldo is just really ruining what, what greatness he had. He's played his last game for the club then? He has to. He has to have. I mean, United come back in a few weeks' time to play in the League Cup. That's before Christmas, only three days after the World Cup final. Of course, the mitigation is, it depends when teams get knocked out of the World Cup, but Ronaldo has to have played his final game for United now, even, even, even if he did apologise, which I, which would just will not happen. There's no way that will happen. There's just no, no coming back from this now. He doesn't deserve to play for Manchester United again. And even if he wasn't to leave the club, they should just put him with the kids and just not let him play again because he does not deserve to play for Manchester United. Uh, Rich Fay with us, a Manchester United writer for the Manchester Evening News and host of the Rob Ryan Red podcast, which of course is a Wrexham AFC podcast, or Deadpool FC as they're now known. Uh, have you managed to get yourself into season two yet? Are we going to see you on screen? Uh, working on it. I am working on it. My voice was in season one for about two seconds, but yeah, that's fantastic. And for my own personal vanity, it's just nice to have the distraction of Wrexham and, and Manchester United, two very different clubs. And yeah, it's fantastic. Rich, I really appreciate your time, mate. Go well. Enjoy the World Cup, and uh, we'll catch up with you again in the future, eh? Yeah, sounds good to me. Come on, Wales. Come on, Wales. Come on, Wales. Rich Faye with us. It is 8 away from 10 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three away from ten here on SENZ. The Kiwi Ferns have extended their lead in the uh, Rugby League World Cup semi-final against England. Uh, 18 minutes to go and the Kiwi Ferns are up by six, uh, by 20 to six I should say. So a 14 point lead and England have just bombed a try. Uh, just knocked on just in front of the Kiwis line. The Kiwi Ferns line I should say. So uh, it's a turnover of possession. The Kiwi Ferns will be running this out from their own end. 14 point lead as I say 
17 minutes to play. So looking very good for the Kiwi Ferns uh, and a, a rematch from the group stages against the Jillaroos. Very much on the cards for the Kiwi Ferns at this stage. We'll keep you up to date with that score as it continues to roll out uh, that game uh, not too far away uh, from completing now. It is two away from 10 and uh, we, we, we have a multi. Do we have a multi? Are we going to do a multi? We got, I don't know if we got, I was I was waiting for the multi intro, but I didn't get the multi intro, so I thought maybe we're not doing one. We could do one if you want. Let's do one. Do one on the fly. Let's do one. <laughs> I've got one. I've got one ready to rock and roll. All right. Well, in that case, then cue the sting. You got to know when the hold know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. You want to fill the beer fridge? Here you go. This is how you're going to do it. We're going to start with the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles, perfect record in the NFL at the moment. And they play the Washington Commanders today, who are, you know, sort of also runs, I think, really in this year's NFL. I'm going the Eagles... At home to win by uh, well, 12 or more at $1.87, the point start of 11 and a half. Uh, also taking Logan's Toronto Raptors uh, to beat up on the Detroit Pistons, who are the worst team in the East. Uh, they're paying $1.52 for that, which I think is good money. And then uh, Miami Heat versus the Phoenix Suns, two teams there or thereabouts with each other. It's going to be tight. It's in Miami, but I've taken the Phoenix Suns with a point start of plus two, so they can lose by up to two points, and you still win the bet. That is paying $1.87. That returns $5.31 as a three-leg multi at the TAB. So get amongst that. That is our multi for today. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk more NFL with Simon Hampton from the 3rd and 5 podcast. We also will have a panel for you. And after 11 o'clock, Honey Hitomi Smiler, the former Kiwi Ferns captain, is going to join us to talk about this Rugby League World Cup semi-final. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past ten here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy until Thursday. He will be back and uh, we'll get an update from him on how that World Cup went. Uh, what he think, thinks of the uh, team of the tournament that was that was named just the one black cap in it in, in Glenn Phillips, so I guess for those swashbuckling knocks and that Superman catch. Uh, but you can catch all of that with Smithy on Thursday when he returns. Coming up on the show, we have a panel for you in the not-too-distant future. We'll also catch up with Honey Hedema my smiler from the uh, Kiwi, uh, the former Kiwi Ferns captain on that Rugby League World Cup semi-final. Uh, still 20-6, to 6, the Kiwi Ferns lead with 12 minutes left against England. Time, though, now to talk American sport uh, mainly. We're going to talk NFL. We might touch on the Brooklyn Nets as well. But Simon Hampton from the 3rd and 5 podcast joins us. G'day, Simon. How are you doing? G'day, Ricardo. I'm doing good. That's a story, mate. That's a story. Uh, we've got a game today. Uh, the Eagles at eight and zero take on uh, the Commanders, who are very much uh, at four and five, and also ran uh, this season. I've taken them uh, to beat the point start of eleven and a half at home. The Eagles, um, they're looking pretty good, aren't they? They're looking very good. I, I think the Eagles, um, yeah, should should have no problems going nine and zero this year. I don't think the Commanders are as bad as people have made them out to be. I think they're, they're just in a really tough division as well. They've got to play the, the Giants, the Cowboys, and, and the Eagles twice. Each, each season so that that's always tough but look at four and five coming up against this Eagles side which just looks fantastic this year with 
Jalen Hurts in, in potential MVP form. Um, They've got AJ Brown, who, who had a brilliant week last week, getting uh, getting a bunch of touchdowns, and so he'll look to build off that. I think uh, I think the Eagles should have should have no problem uh, dealing to the Commanders today. Yeah, and they're not a team that at the beginning of the season everybody you know thought well we're talking about as Super Bowl contention, but you got to now. I mean, that's yeah. the you know it's the other thing. I mean, we got them and the Vikings in the NFC, uh, two teams that nobody was talking about preseason. Now uh, both with great records of eight and zero and eight and one. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think you know, starting on the Eagles there, I think the big question mark coming into the season was you know whether Jalen Hurts could take the next step and be a, a quarterback that's going to lead a team to, to into the playoffs and um, you know deep into the playoffs. They made the playoffs last year and had an early exit, and, and it was always going to be whether they could make the next step. And, and they've shown that they've done that in uh, emphatic fashion. And you look at the rest of their schedule; they're actually like not a bad shout to potentially try and go undefeated this year i know it's still very early to be making predictions like that but if they can go nine and oh today they're, they're a good shout um with a, a lighter schedule than, than a lot of other teams um down the stretch so so there'll be a, a chance to do that the vikings however seven and one going into this weekend coming up against a bills team which was uh one of the super bowl favorites before the season and probably still is to be fair to them um i think a lot of people thought that the Vikings had sort of, you know, lucked into a couple of their wins. They were a good side, but probably not a side deserving of a seven and one record. But then the way they performed against the Bills on the weekend, I think, sort of etched them into, you know, a contention status. And, and that they played brilliantly. Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver, is just in phenomenal form. Uh, pulled off one of the best catches I've certainly ever seen live in the NFL, and and. and you know, for those that have watched NFL a bit longer than me, would probably say that it was uh, one of the best catches of all time uh, in a freakish game against the Bills. So, um, you know, the way the the Vikings sort of, you know, ground out that win over the Bills, uh, I thought was was fantastic and the sort of uh, win for them that that will give them a lot of belief as we head into the back half of the season and gear up towards the playoffs. Yeah, and that's the thing because the the way that the NFC is mounting up or, or is adding up, we're looking at teams like you know Tampa Bay are leading the NFC South with Tom Brady, but they're five and five. I mean, they're, they're ordinary, right? Um, the the Falcons aren't too far mm. behind them, and the NFC West, you know, the, the reigning Super Bowl champions are bottom at three and six. The Rams, forty uh, ers that people were talking about, are five and four there, and I mean the Seahawks are supposed to be rebuilding, rebuilding are six and four. I mean, it really looks like. This should be a, uh, a an NFC Championship match already between the Vikings and the Eagles. I mean, you mentioned the Vikings record, but I mean the Eagles. I think they've only got yeah. three teams left with uh, with winning records to play this season. I mean, you know, they they, they look like they're going to cruise through uh, into postseason. Yeah, they they look they look really good. I would I'd say don't sleep on the 49ers. I think they're they're a chance now with McCaffrey, um, you know, um, over there, and 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 they seem to be. Working out very nicely. They got a win over a very good Chargers team that's probably underperforming a bit, to be fair, uh, this season. But they're up to five and four. I think they're a side that could really, you know, have a really strong second half record and, and probably overtake the Seahawks in the NFC West and win that uh, division. It might be the sort of side that I don't think a Vikings side or even an Eagles side is going to want to come up against this 49ers team this year. It's 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 not a you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a not a glamorous quarterback, but you know, to be fair, neither is Kirk Cousins, and 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 both those sides have shown that that if the weapons are around him and the system works for those quarterbacks, they they can be very dangerous. So I'd say, you know, don't sleep on the 49ers. I, I think that NFC West is, is is just fascinating the way the Cardinals and Rams uh, look like they're just going to bottom out this year. I think 
you know, there's concerns over Cooper Cup's injury and, and for the Rams. And, and now I've just read that Zach Ertz, the, the star tight end for the Cardinals, is out for the rest of the season. So um, I, I know the Cardinals just got a win over the Rams and a four and six, and so they're not quite out of it. But I, I think both of those sides are not, not going anywhere this season. So, um, yeah, it's a funny one. I think the NFC playoff teams are probably just about set in stone this year, but I think the order could change. And uh, I agree. I think the Eagles and Vikings are the two front runners this year, but I, I think the 49ers are a team that, that could really be dangerous come playoff time. Yeah, well, one to keep an eye on, mate. Uh, a guy that uh, hasn't had the greatest of seasons is Aaron Rodgers uh, with the Green Bay Packers. They mm. sit four and six now. Uh, but a big win for them yesterday against the Cowboys, wasn't it? No, I mean, I don't think anybody gave them a chance going into that game. No, they didn't. And, uh, you know, the Packers have just looked so ordinary uh, across their first nine games of the season that, that I think, and the Cowboys have looked really good, that I, I think everyone just, just assumed that the Packers are done for this year and Aaron Rodgers may well retire at the end of the season. But but that was a real uh, interesting win and, and it might sort of be too little too late for the Packers given they're, they're four and six and, and you know, there's a, there's a wee way back for them. But you know, that's a bright sign that they've they've kind of had the wood on the Cowboys over the last few few years. I think that they might have been their fifth straight win over the Cowboys. Um, but what was really important for the Packers was a big game for uh, their rookie wide receiver Christian Watson getting three touchdowns. Uh, one of the big talking points out of Green Bay has just been the lack of receiving depth for Aaron Rodgers and that team. And there were surprises that they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline to bolster their receiving core, but. Uh, to get a big showing out of Christian Watson, the the rookie there was, you know, potentially, um, you know, gives them a bit of momentum and, and Watson can build off that and, and become a, a favoured target for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can, can go on a second half run. I'm still a little bit unconvinced by the Packers, but, you know, maybe they're now a team that, that you can keep an eye on. Well, you mentioned the Bills in the AFC. Um, they currently sit third in the AFC East behind the Jets mm. and the Dolphins, who uh, seem to have re- refound some form as well. The Baltimore Ravens looking good over there. Uh, the Titans may be a bit of a smoky as well, and the Kansas City Chiefs had another solid win, if unspectacular. How how do you see the AFC tracking at the moment? Yeah, I think it's it's a fascinating, um, it, it, far more fascinating than the NFC. I think. I think the Chiefs are, are just doing what they need to do. I think they're they're, they're building up nicely. They'll, they'll be fine. They're seven and two, and, and what was shaping up to be a, a, a brutal AFC West, but it really looks like the Chiefs are going to run away with that, given that the Broncos and Raiders have performed so poorly this season. So, I think the Chiefs uh, can sort of just coast along into a into a high seed in the AFC and, and they'll be fine. The AFC East is, is fascinating because, um, as you say, the, the Bills are third there. I think the Bills will probably overtake the Jets, but I really like the look of this Miami Dolphins team this year. Tua Tagovailoa is, is connecting with, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, Jeff Wilson, the running back they brought over from the 49ers at, at the trade deadline, had a strong game um, on the weekend. So he, he looks to be adding another dimension to this team. Uh, they've got a solid defense. I, I really like the Dolphins at 7-3, and three, provided Tua can stay on the field. And, and I know he's had some uh, concussion problems earlier in the season, but if he can stay on the field, I think the Dolphins are a real chance to, to run the Bills close in that AFC East. And, and that'll be a, a matchup to watch. Um, yeah, the Titans are, are a fascinating team because they just sort of seem to be built off a really good D and Derek Henry, the star running back. Uh, they're, they're not getting a lot out of the quarterback position and, and their receivers are, are, are barely involved in games. But, but 
you know, teams with a strong D, it, it, it's always tough to come up against, I think. And, and the, the Titans look like they'll win that AFC South and, and make it to the playoffs because the Colts are, are four and five and, and a couple of games behind them in second place. So, um, you know, they're, they're a team that I think most teams should beat them, that are better than them when you talk about the, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Bills and, and what have you. But, you know, a team with a good D is always hard to come up against in, in, the, uh, in the playoffs. So, so they, they won't be an easy beat either. No, they won't. Um, now, we... we you're based in New York. We should talk about this because I don't think it's been talked about enough. Is mm. is this season? Well, they are not you know runaway eight and zero like the Philadelphia Eagles, um, or eight and one like the Vikings. But this season feels like it's the rebirth of NFL teams in New York. Both the Jets and the Giants. I don't think anybody was talking about them preseason about doing anything. But both of them have very good winning records and are, and are troubling a lot of very good teams. And it seems to have flown under the radar a bit. Yeah, it has. It's it's kind of fascinating, um, and people in New York aren't really used to it because we're we're sort of used to you know watching games on TV or waiting for a good team to come and play in New York because we weren't really too keen on on going and watching the Giants and Jets play. But uh, the Giants, yeah, you start with them seven and two at the moment. Daniel Jones, you know, as their quarterback, and what's interesting to them is you know Daniel Jones has been solid this year, but he's he's certainly not the the superstar quarterback that that you'd think uh, you'd find on a seven and two team in a tough division but uh the the new head coach brian debell is is doing wonders over there saquon barkley has returned from injury problems in the past few years to have a, a brilliant season uh with the giants and and they're a real threat they've got a good d as well and that they'll they they're a real threat to uh you know i i don't think they're gonna they're gonna go out and win the nfc and go to the super bowl but but they're certainly uh trending in the right direction the Jets are, are an interesting one because, you know, we've, Zach Wilson at, at quarterback, the second overall pick from a few years ago. Um, I, I sort of wonder if there might be a little bit of regression from them uh, over the next few weeks in the second half of the season. Uh, Brees Hall, their star rookie running back, who was brilliant for them, is, is out for the rest of the season. So that's a, that's a huge blow for them. But the, their defense has, has improved tremendously the the rookie source Gardner is, is just a, a an unbelievable defensive player he's making some fantastic plays and and keeping them in games so uh, I think the Jets are you know I think they'll probably end up third in that AFC East but I, I certainly can see them uh, finishing up in a playoff spot yeah which uh, which would be a, a real turn up for the books all right mate hey listen what we've got you as I mentioned you're in New York uh, the home of the Brooklyn Nets as well um, and boy that's that's a soap opera that team um Probably the least surprising headline of the of the year in the NBA. Net Simmons a late scratch with knee soreness. Um, you know uh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that bloke. I can't that, wait that bloke would, I, would split a hair and uh, and and have to sit out a game. Yeah, it's funny. Eh? Like I, I, you know, come and do these radio crosses, and, you, and you, every time I'm just you know the Nets as well. There's something new with them. I can't wait to the day that we don't have to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, but they just continue to find a way. Uh, to be the biggest talking point in the NBA. Yeah, I think there's some kind of concerns there with with, with Simmons. He missed four games in a row uh, over the past week or two, came back for a couple of games, and now is out with, with knee soreness again. Um, you know, you've, you do have to wonder a little bit with him, uh, given, given the history there, but um, look, they're playing a little bit better. I'll give them that. They're, they're playing a little bit better without Kyrie Irving. I know they lost to the Lakers uh, last night, but that was the, the second game of a double header on the road and, and Seth Curry as well was also out and they had a strong win over the Clippers the night before. They're, they're playing better. Um, there's still no timeline yet on, on when Kyrie Irving will come back. He's had some 
apparently productive meetings with the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, and, and also Joe Sy, the Nets owner. But Joe Sy has said that there's still work to do uh, for Kyrie Irving if he's to return to the team. So a lot of uncertainty there. Um, and, and, and perhaps, you know, this, you know, I guess the, the Nets are always going to look stronger with Kyrie Irving out there, but they have looked a bit better in the past few games without him. And so maybe they're, they're not quite so rushed to, to bring him back as you might have thought a few weeks ago. Is there any value left in Kyrie Irving given all this baggage? I mean, if the, if the Nets decided they were going to trade him, would anybody actually want him? No, I don't think he's got any trade value. I think, you know, if they're, they're going to move on from him, it'll have to be them releasing him basically. And, and look, like I, you know, from a fan's perspective, you know, you can say talent-wise that the Nets are a better team with Kyrie Irving, but they're a lot less fun to support and a lot less fun to watch. Uh, and, and you just sort of, he's kind of a ticking time bomb, right? Like he's going to come back and he may well play very well and he, he'll win some games on his own and he'll he'll dazzle us with some brilliant play. But you kind of always know that something's going to come up again uh, down the line, whether that's in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, uh, whenever. And so... Uh, with that uncertainty there, it's you know at this point, given the history of, of what he's done over this league, you, you do have to wonder whether it's worth it. And I think if the Nets could get anything back for him in a trade, uh, I think they absolutely would take that at this point. Uh, I know there's been reports that they've been trying to trade him and, and there's been no interest around the league in, in Kyrie Irving. So uh, for a guy as talented as him, if there's no interest in, in trading for him, I think that, that says a lot to to his perception uh, around the NBA at the moment and uh, and certainly what the Nets think of him as well. Mm, good stuff, Simon. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Go well, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Keep up the good work at the 3rd and 5 podcast too, eh? Thanks, Ricardo. Yep, we'll talk soon, mate. We will do. Uh, it is 18 past 10 here on SENZ. The Kiwi Ferns are through to the Rugby League World Cup final. They will face the Gillaroos after they dispatch the Palms by 20 to 6. We'll catch up with Honey Hitami Smiler after 11 o'clock. Up next, though, it is the panel. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. 10 10.24 here on the panel. Brendan Bradford joins us from Code Sport out of Australia. G'day, Brendan. How are you? Hey, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, mate, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks for coming on. And uh, he's just back off his sickbed, uh, resurrected like Lazarus, uh, and uh, he's going to join the, the panel today as producer Logan. Hey, guys. There you go. Um, he's sounding a bit rough, but we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Hey, uh, Brennan, I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I know Australia, maybe uh, rugby union's not uh, the top sport that gets talked about over there, but um, the World Rugby Awards and nominations have been released for this, and there's a fair bit of consternation over this side of the ditch that Artie Savia hasn't been named in one of the four finalists for Player of the Year. I saw this. The first thing I saw when I woke up this morning, I, I looked at my phone to sort of check the news, and it was all New Zealand websites and people on Twitter going, "How is Artie Savia not in the fi- not in the not in the one of one of the four finalists for the World Player of the Year?" Um, and, and it's look, there's a I think there's a degree of uh, you know truth to that, like or you know you got reason to to sort of be a bit bit upset about that. Um, I've seen him win games single handedly. Um, uh, when the Hurricanes beat the Waratahs here in Sydney, it, it was basically on his back um, earlier this year. And um, yeah, I think he's probably probably a bit hard done by. But I, on the other hand, is he going to win this award over Dupont, Sexton, or Van der Fleer? I don't. 
I don't think he is better than either of those three. I think one of those guys will win it. Um, but certainly, yeah, he should have been in the mix there. Yeah, Logan? Yeah, I would agree too. I mean, I know this is kind of indicative of the year the All Blacks have had, isn't it? And the fact that you've got two island players nominated, they're probably still um, going off the glory of their series win in New Zealand. I mean, Johnny Sexton is an incredible player. Uh, so, I mean, he always deserves to be in there too, as does uh, Fan de Fleur. But, I mean, we've heard time and time again, despite the troubles that the All Blacks have had this year, uh, Adi Savir has been their most consistent player, and God, did they miss him the mm. one game that they didn't have with Adi there at number eight. Uh, I mean, but it is also showing with where we are now with rugby, uh, and we're seeing in New Zealand, women's rugby has just completely taken over. We're all about the Black Ferns. Uh, I'll admit, I've, I've paid very little attention to the Northern Tour because I've been swallowed up and and all the hype and all the excitement of them winning the World Cup here. And now they're getting all the nominations as well. I think it's just incredible to see that we're seeing another side of the sport in New Zealand getting recognition. Well, that's a, that, is a, that is a good point because uh, there is no All Blacks player in the uh, Player of the Year nominees. There is no All Blacks Sevens player in the Sevens nominees either. Uh, yet we do have Wayne Smith shortlisted for Rugby uh, World Rugby Coach of the Year alongside Andy Farrell, Fabian Gaultier and Simon Middleton. And we also have two women in the Women's Player of the Year category um, in Portia Woodman and also Ruahe de Mont. So, uh, yeah, it seems to be all going the way of, of the women's game over here, mate. I mean, how much coverage did that Rugby World Cup get over, over, over the ditch? There was a lot of, um, a lot of attention around the, the, the Australian side that went over and um, a, lot of, a lot of hope as well, um, you know, sort of, sort of heading into that tournament and... Um, yeah, obviously come up against uh, pretty pretty dominant England side of rough conditions in that uh, that quarter final. But um, the the way you know the way the Black Ferns have just been embraced by New Zealand in that final series, and, and just watching that game at Eden Park and the sold out crowd. Um, you know, growing growing up in New Zealand, sort of I don't know, age myself too much. You know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, it was almost unthinkable. Like it, it just wasn't sort of on the radar. And now to to, to have this and to see this and to see all the uh, and the the crowd seemed like in a really good positive. It seemed like a really good positive atmosphere, uh, a really good feel good vibes. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just so great to see. And yeah, like you, um, sort of paid more attention to the the Women's World Cup than the the Spring Tour so far. Yeah, well, you know, from an Australian point of view, not surprising. Owen two, mate, and you still got Ireland and Wales to come. You could be Owen four, and uh, Rins could be uh, Rins could be looking for a new gig. Oh, he's, he, they've either got to they've either got to move him on now, or, you know, get it out of the way because it's World Cup next year, or just bite the bullet and keep going. But they made twelve changes to the side ahead of the Italy game and then lose it. I mean, they talk about trying to blood new players and get guys experience, but I don't think they know what they're best 15 is and uh, there's only uh, there's probably 11 or 12 games before the World Cup and you've got a whole Super Rugby tournament in between that and to, just to have this this much uncertainty um, you know about 10 months out from the World Cup starting is just no good. It's in all sorts, absolute shambles over here. Yeah, well, I would have thought that after losing to France by one point, that would have almost been credit in Rennie's bank because everybody sees France as one of the best teams in the world. Um but it might have, you know, bought him some credit. But he's he's gone one pace forward and two paces back, hasn't he? 
Yeah, and look, there were there were a few injury enforced changes ahead of the Italy game, um, and, and yeah, like you say, it was one point. But even then, it was it was one point, and he'd taken Bernard Foley off, probably one of the most experienced playmakers in the world, not just in Australia. It's, he'd taken him off in such a tight game, and when they needed to exit their twenty-two with about sort of three or four minutes to go, and you were looking for someone like a Bernard Foley who would just kick it into touch into France's territory. Instead, I think it was Reese Hodge just chipped it down the field. And at about 30 seconds later, France score in the corner and win the game. He, these are the things, when you're already under pressure, like Dave Rennie is, those little moments, those decisions, um, and it was the same against Italy. He brought Ben Donaldson on for his debut, four minutes from full time. The guys barely had, had a chance to uh, break a sweat and he has to kick a, a potentially match-winning conversion. Uh, these are just the, the little decisions that you can't get away with when you're under this much pressure. No, indeed. All right, we'll continue the panel shortly. We're going to catch, uh, we're going to talk uh, FIFA World Cup, Black Caps, Black Fern, some more as well. We'll do all of that after the latest with Araha in News and Sport. 14.76am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Yeah, 27 away from 11, Brendan Bradford with us from codesport.au over in Australia for the panel alongside producer Logan. And uh, we've had the T20 World Cup in your part of the world, Brendan. Um, didn't go so well for the host nation, um, but New Zealand did make a semi-final. They've had a, a tournament team put out. There's only only one Kiwi in it and Glenn Phillips. Um, how much of a headline maker was he for you guys? Oh, he, yeah, he was massive. Um, I was at that game, um, at that game, and uh, where he scored the century, and it was just, yeah, just phenomenal hitting. It was, it was he came in, he came in, and I was there. I was just here as a punter with a couple of mates, and we were under so much pressure when he came in, and it's just like, oh my goodness, how are we going to lose to Sri Lanka? And um, then all of a sudden he was in the forties, and then he was in the seventies, and he just kept going, and it was just. It wasn't like he, he didn't. It wasn't like uh, a Finn Allen's knock against Australia earlier in the tournament, where he just blasted everyone. It was a really composed sort of innings. It was more of a more of an ODI sort of innings. It seemed on the ground, and um, yeah, he, he was just phenomenal. His catch against Australia as well was just 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 incredible. Um, I, I, I had a look at the when the Wisdom team came out. Uh, for me, <laughs> we're talking about big snubs like. Uh, Adi Savia, not to have Barat Kohli in this team is, just seems weird to me. And um, so I, I look, have, have I been watching this tournament right? And did a Google search and had a look at some other sort of teams of the tournament from other websites and, and things like that. And every team, every other uh, you know outlet had Barat Kohli, and every other team had Glenn Phillips. So uh, definitely Glenn Phillips is the right choice. But um, I'm on board with the the Indian fan base here, and, and that Virat Kohli has been snubbed big time. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Maybe, maybe the the uh, websites that had Virat Kohli in there were culturally uh, were, were contractually obliged to do so due to the Indian <laughs> advertising they have online. Who knows? Uh, but um, we had uh, Ian Smith on, whose uh, show this is, uh, last week, and he, you know, said that he had done um, a podcast with Nasser Hussain, who said at the time that Glenn Phillips had announced himself to the cricketing world and he was the one player whose name was going to be linked to this tournament forevermore, Logan. I mean, that's pretty big raps coming from someone like NASA. Oh, it is. And, I mean, it's just been cemented here in, you know, the team of the tournament. I'm not surprised that he is the only New Zealander in there. I, I wouldn't really say others are getting snubbed when, you know, I, I don't think our bowlers did particularly well 
in the latter parts of the tournament to really put their hand up. Uh, Josh Butler took the uh, the keeping gloves there. And I mean, you know, he got 225 runs, nine dismissals. So he had a great time with the bat and the gloves. So someone like Devin Conway, probably, you know, not going to get a look in there. Unfortunately, he might have been the only other one I would have considered. Um, and, you know, they've just been so strong, England. So it was awesome to see, I mean... I don't know. What was I going to say? It was awesome to see England winning a World Cup. They won what? one that doesn't even count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, exactly. Check um, your passport. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, but really stoked for uh, Glenn Phillips and awesome to see what's going to come next with uh, India coming to New Zealand. Yeah, no, that's going to be interesting. Actually, I did see something on, uh, I think it was Mitch Santner's uh, figures from the tournament. 20 overs bowled, 129 runs conceded, and I think 12 wickets taken. Mm. Which, uh, that's not the worst, Brendan. That's not bad. And look, I've I've been a, a Mitchell Santner, uh, what do I say, critic, skeptic, mm-hmm. since he ducked the last ball um, of that World Cup final. But uh, look, I, yeah, it's hard. It would it be sort of, yeah, churlish of me to say, to, to point any blame on him. He, he was pretty good. But yeah, like, like you said, Logan, I, I just struggle to see where any other Kiwis would make the side. Um, you know, you'd have to take out some some pre-deserving players like uh, your dad from from India, Hales Butler. Of course, they're going to be in there. Afridi, um, Sam Curran as well. He was phenomenal this tournament. Um, you'd have to be making some pretty cool, big calls to to get a, another New Zealander in there. And just on Glenn Phillips, even before it was early in the tournament, or maybe even before it started, he had the John Cena. Um, call yes. out on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, John Cena posted his, his photo. Uh, he walks out to his music or something. So um, he's he's gone not mainstream, but he's gone beyond cricket. It's it's good to see. Yeah, it is. It is good to see. You know, you have those moments where you like, I'm doing parenting wrong. Um, my daughter was watching um, Ferdinand, the movie that John Cena plays the uh, does the voice of the bull uh, the other day, and in the shorts he was on doing a Ferdinand uh, how to eat healthy thing. And she was like, Dad, 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 Dad. I was like, what? She's like, it's the guy from Stepdads 2. Look. It's, and I'm like, no, that's John Cena. How do you not know this? Uh, it's because you can't see him. Yeah, yeah. well, that's true. Maybe that's it. That's <laughs> nice call. Nice call. Hey, uh, we should talk um, FIFA World Cup as well, given that, you know, uh, over the over the ditch, you'll be getting pretty excited about that with the Aussies off to, the, off to Qatar, mate. Um, I know there's been a lot of criticism of, Graham Arnold, um, and probably rightly so, and then that criticism got doubled down on once the squad was announced. What's the feeling over there? It's an interesting one. They've just gone into camp, I think it was yesterday, the day before. Um, but I, it's one of those ones where, again, there's always going to be selection uh, questions, headaches, nightmares, and yeah, Graham Arnold has been under pressure. <clears throat> um, but I, I, once the tournament starts, I think all that all that goes out the window in a massive event like this, and it's just about just about the games, and it's about the you know about the the results, and uh, you know being just being part of of you know one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Um, but yeah, uh, look, I think I am hoping that Australian football fans are realistic about their chances. Um, <laughs> they're in a very tough group, <laughs> um, you know. Like guys, you're probably not going to get out of the group. But just enjoy it while it lasts. This is this is would be my message. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Danny Vukovic's selection was purely based on the fact that, as a junior, he came up under the guy that's the goalkeeping coach of the Socceroos. He's got a his save percentage in the A League this season is thirty six percent. 
So he's only saved 36% of the shots that have been at his goal. Uh, and then you've got a guy called Mitch Langerak, who's playing at a higher level with a 72% save percentage, who gets left out of the team despite being called out of retirement to play New Zealand. I mean, that's what's really upset a lot of uh, football fans over there, isn't it? Yes, it was a real, uh, you know, you, you just sort of thought Langerak was going to get in just because of the moves that they'd made beforehand. Um, <laughs> yeah, just to, to be thrown that selection bombshell, I don't, you know, no one. There were remember last week when they were the squad was being announced and there were rumours going around. Oh, there's been a big stub. There's been a big stub. Who's it going to be? And, and it was this one. And um, yeah, look, there were there were a lot of headlines. A lot of there's a lot of uh, a debate around it. But that's that's the good thing about Australian football is that it's such a passionate fan base, that, and and they're so you know they're so opinionated as well. Um, and I don't look at wanted to speak down on the Socceroos because, you know, apart from 06, they haven't really performed on the world stage. I think a lot of people sort of expect a lot more than is realistic. But um, it's a really vibrant, really um, really engaged fan base and, and footballing community, which is pretty cool to see um, in Australia. Yeah, fantastic, mate. What, uh, what about you, Logan? I mean, you spent a bit of time over in Aussie working there and working in sports media. I mean... Uh, how how invested do you think uh, the Aussies will be and, and what chance do you give them? Yeah, I like this. Uh, Brennan actually works for the company I used to work for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Group D, I mean, you've got France, Denmark and Tunisia. Surely Australia finishing fourth in Group D. I really don't give them much chance there. I mean, and of course, you know, here on this side of the ditch, you know, un- unlucky uh, New Zealand that we're, we're not in it. Um, Costa Rica, for some reason, are. Ricardo, I know exactly how you feel about that. Uh, but then it, it gets me wondering, who, who do New Zealanders support in, in this whole thing? Who, who is someone to get behind? Clearly, we're not going to cheer for Australia. Clearly. That's just not the done thing to do. <laughs> I, I'll, give you the, I'll, I'll give you a team to support. And I know anyone that knows me is probably going to roll their eyes when they hear this because it, it's so predictable coming from me. Uh, but the last time that Canada were in the Football World Cup was Mexico in 1986. Mm-hmm. So their story kind of rings very similar to, to New Zealand. They're not in there very often. And when they are in there, they're looking to make an impact. And they're there in Group F with Belgium, uh, Morocco and Croatia. So they're up against some pretty big names in football, right? Uh, you know, you got the likes of, you know, the, the, the Lukaku's, the Modric's. I mean... Very tough assignments, but I mean they've got some exciting players themselves, like Alfonso Davies, who plays for Bayern Munich, um, and you know he's really looking to put Canada on the map. There, they're already doing a great job there. Uh, John Herman, I know, I know you're a fan of him. John Herman, yeah, he's yeah. the football fans coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's there's another correlation there. So that's the team to get behind New Zealand. Uh, since we're not in it ourselves, <laughs> let's back Canada. Yeah, okay. So Logan's backing Canada. Uh, Brendan, who are you backing? I mean, Australia oh. last time they, they, they were in a World Cup was 2018 and they had France and Denmark then as well and they finished bottom of that group. So are you, you going to be supporting the Socceroos given that you're living over there? Nah, look, you can't. They're going to come bottom of that group. Just don't worry about it. Um, I, I, I wish I could back pick a dark horse like, like Canada. Um, but ever since I was little, uh, when, when I was sort of growing up, Zinedine Zidane was like my favourite player, um, you know, of my formative years, and then and then you know watching old old World Cup videos and stuff. It was Michel Platini before he turned into you know a crook. Um, so I've always I've always loved French football and watching France. I know it's not that exciting. They're you know, one of the favourites for this one, but um, you know now Kylian Mbappe is one of my favourite players these days. So I'm going for France. 
which means they'll be rooting you know, actively against Australia <laughs> in Group D. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, I, I wish... But I, on the other hand, I, I really want to see, you know, like an African side go deep, Senegal, something like that, um, you know, make a run into the, you know, late into the knockout stages, maybe push for a semi-final spot for the first time um, in, in football history. That'd be nice to see. Um, but, yeah, so France, Senegal. Those are my two, two teams. All right, France and Senegal, Canada. We've got them all. Um, all the outsiders being back here on the I don't, I, I don't mind panel. France. I don't mind France. Uh, FIFA Road to World Cup 98 was uh, one of the most formative video oh. games of my childhood. So there you go. I was heading to France. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, this has been the panel. Uh, Brennan, thank you very much for your time, my friend. Go well. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and Logs, uh, get back in the box, mate. Off you go. It is quarter to 11. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 10 away from 11, and the Black Caps have named their squad for the games against India. Those are a mix of T20s and ODIs. They've named one squad. Some players will play both forms. Some will just play one. Uh, here is the team for you, or the squad for you, I should say. Kane Williamson is captain. Finn Allen, Michael Bracewell, Devin Conway, Lockie Ferguson. Matt Henry is ODIs only. Tom Latham, ODIs only. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, Adam Milne, Jimmy Neesham. Glenn Phillips, Mitchell Santner, Ish Sodi just for the T20s, Tim Southey and Blair Tickner just for the T20s. So no Trent Bolt and no Martin Guptill. Uh, on the those players not being there, uh, this is what Gary Stead has said. When Trent opted out of his New Zealand cricket contract in August, we indicated the priority would be given to those players with either central or domestic contracts, and that's been the case here. We're all aware of Trent's world-class ability, but at this time, as we build towards more global events, we want to give opportunities and experiences to others. The emergence and success of Finn at the top of the order in white ball cricket means a guy of the class Martin Guptill misses out. That's just the nature of high-performance sport. But with the 50-over World Cup less than a year away, we're keen to give Finn every opportunity to keep gaining ODI experience, especially against quality opposition such as India. But the message to both those players is that there's a lot of international cricket ahead and the door is certainly not closed to them. So that is good to hear. Uh, also, Jimmy Nation will step out for his wedding as well. So he will miss, I think, the third ODI because of his wedding. This is what the uh, match schedule looks like. So starting in Wellington on Friday uh, is the first T20. Then Sunday at Bay Oval is the second T20. And the third T20 is at McLean Park next Tuesday. So guaranteed that's going to rain then. Um, if you're looking forward to those uh, to. Uh, to those uh, weather apps. Uh, on Friday the 25th of November uh, is a one-dayer at Eden Park. Sunday the 27th, a one-dayer at Seddon Park in Hamilton. And the 30th is where it finishes at Hagley Oval with the third one-dayer against India. That is the schedule for you. It is eight away from 11. When we come back, we'll be talking TAB. Of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. couple of minutes away from 11 o'clock here on SENZ. You can bet live on your favourite sports. Just download the TAB app today and uh, all the info is at your fingertips. Joining us from the TAB now is B-Pops. G'day, Brendan. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks, uh, Rick Dog, uh, for a Tuesday morning. You? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain. Can't complain. Always uh, good after a Kiwi Ferns victory, mate. Good to see them get a second crack yeah. at the Jillaroos. So good, mate. So good. Um, so, yeah, that was a courageous effort and 
as you said, a chance to have another shot at them after going so close uh, what was it, last week. Yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. Now, uh, TAB, what's big for you today? I, I imagine you've got an eye on that uh, on that Eagles-Commanders game. Certainly, yep. Um, look, Philly have looked really good, haven't they? They're 8-0, and uh, and punters want to be with them again. Uh, they've been double-digit favourites the last three weeks in a row, and it's the same again this week. All the money is with them to win this one by at least 12 or more against the Washington Commanders, who are not that bad, uh, but eighteen for Philly, 450 around the Washington Commanders can tell you that 80% of our head-to-head betting is all around Philly. Uh, best back in terms of winning team and margin has been that 1-13 to line at $2.50. And we've got a power play that's been backed here at a really big price. Each team to score a touchdown and a field goal in each half at $23. I mean, that doesn't sound to be too outrageous. No. Uh, and at $23, punters are, are getting around that. I, I really like A.J. Brown here in this match. I think uh, he's a player that will uh, see a lot of targets. He's $3 to be uh, the most receiving yards. And if you look towards his receiving yards in the match, currently over uh, 74.5. He averages around close to 17 yards per catch. I thought he was a nice little play in the match if you're looking for something a little bit different. Yeah, mate. And are you getting much money on the Eagles uh, in, this, in the Super Bowl market? Yes, yeah. I think when any team starts getting on a run uh, like they have, uh, punters start gravitating towards Super Bowl markets, and that's where we've seen some traction. Most likely, in terms of winner in that market at, the, at this stage, is around the Philly Eagles. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks very much for your time, Brendan. Go well, bud. Cheers, Ricardo. Cheers. Uh, watch a bit live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Coming up, Honey Ahead of Me Smiler is going to join us. We're going to talk Kiwi Ferns, Jillaroos, the rematch in the Rugby League World Cup final. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. He is back for you Thursday this week. Uh, no doubt he'll be able to regale you with stories on and off uh, the pitch at the Cricket World Cup that he has just been to. It is five past 11. Uh, just waiting on Honey Hitami Smiler. She'll be uh, with us shortly uh, to talk the Rugby League semi final between the Kiwi Ferns and England. I've just seen a fantastic video. Uh, taken in Qatar of Neymar, the Brazilian captain. They've got a drone that's gone up 20 stories with a football and they've dropped it and he's had to trap it and control it. 
uh, from 20 stories up. Uh, manages to do it, just kills it dead. Uh, superb piece of skill from him, well worth uh, checking out. Uh, tell you what else was worth checking out this morning was the Kiwi Ferns. What a great uh, semi-final performance they put on against uh, the Poms. They they might have started a bit cold because they got caught early and conceded the first try, but after that it was all Kiwi Ferns. Twenty to six, they've won and they have set up a final against the Jillaroos. A second crack at them. And joining us to talk to us about that is the former Kiwi Ferns captain Honey Hitami Smiler. G'day, Honey. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, great performance uh, from the team. A uh, bit of a shaky start, as I mentioned. They maybe got caught a bit cold there, but uh, they're just too good in the end, weren't they? Yeah, too sharp. I mean, they've, they've been strong consistently throughout, so it's been um, oh, it's been good just to see their growth go through and, and to really solidify that, that uh, win this morning. Oh, it's just got me amped, you know, the amount of women's rugby that's being played at the moment. Yeah, mate. Um, uh, sorry, you know, women's women's sport, should I say, has just been outstanding. It's it's been fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, the 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 Black Ferns and their their uh, win in the Rugby World Cup against the odds against the Poms was was one thing. But uh, you know, if the Kiwi Ferns could go and do this as well um, against the Aussies, I mean, we've already had a game against the Jillaroos in the pool play, and they only just beat us. I think the fact that we we lost to them first up in the pool play gives us a really good chance to beat them second time round here. Yeah, well, it sets it up nicely too, and you can tell, you know, the Dillaroos, like, you know, they obviously got through their semi final against PNG fairly easy, you know, enough that um, their coach could rest seven of their top players. Mm. So, you know, I, I think for us, like, we come in, you know, with a lot better preparation. Um, and you know, if you go, if you go off that last result, I think our middles really dominated that game, and I can't see uh, the Jillaroos matching that. You know, that 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 intensity, and there's been a lot of questions around the you know the Kiwi Ferns having such a young squad and fairly inexperienced. But I mean, some of those young players, Millie Hufanga today, absolutely steps up. You know, and and across the board, you can see there's a real genuine team connection there. They're playing more as a team as opposed to. Um, you know the other, the other, or the Jillaroos that kind of rely on their stars. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting point, eh? Because I mean, if you if you, one of your stars, if you rely on a couple of players to do everything for you and they have an off day, then the team tends to be in in trouble. But like you said, uh, uh, Mary Hufanga, she was superb, absolute powerhouse at centre for the uh, for the Kiwi Ferns today. Yeah, and even the likes of Amber Hall, you know, she's she's been in the team for a while now. She's got great experience, and to me, I'm picking her as player of the tournament so far. She's She's just coming out, uh, you know, game after game and bashing people. And I'll tell you what, that uh, Taryn Aiken that the uh, Jillaroos have got, um, she's been outstanding too, but uh, she didn't play their semi-final. And I'd say that's a result of Amber running over top of her uh, numerous times in that, in that last call match. So there, there's a few uh, little niggles I know that the Jillaroos are, are carrying. And, uh, you know, long as the Kiwi Ferns focus on their recovery this week, um, I think we, we're um, picking along really nicely and just, seem to be evolving. I I think we're going to have a great, great Rugby League World Cup. I'd love to see them get it back for us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What about Abigail Roach? I mean, she she got thrown in the deep end against the Jillaroos in pool play, but she's just gone from strength to strength. What do you make of of, of how she has played in this tournament? Yeah, well, she's probably a bit of a mixed bag up against in that first test match and, and tough on her to make her debut up against up against Australia, but I thought she did really well today. She, I, I really like her support lines and cover lines. I'd like to see her take take a bit more charge. I saw that you know her her fringe there got probably a little bit less less ball movement today, but um, oh, you know she's she's a 
outstanding athlete. She's got great skills. So just seeing her express herself more and having that confidence to really step up come this, this final, I think she cements that other halfback position alongside racing McGregor. Yeah, and uh, the, another player who has been a standout for the Kiwi Ferns for a long period of time is Georgia Hale. Uh, she really, uh, you know, sort of just orchestrates everything. Um, Georgia, it sounds like, is going to be playing her rugby league in the UK uh, next season. How 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 detrimental to her game going forward do you think a move up there could be? You know, stepping away from the NRLW to a to a league that's probably still developing to that level. Yeah, yeah, had a chat to Georgia just before they left, and yeah, she, she mentioned she was going to go over and uh, follow her partner over there. But look, that Super League competition, it's actually quite a strong competition. I think she gets in, in amongst the wrong team. But, you know, players like Georgia, they can lift, she can lift the whole team, you know. Her work rate and her work ethic is just outstanding, you know. She, she'll probably do half the job for half the team, to be honest. So I, I don't think it makes her uh, take a step back. She's such a, a professional uh, when it comes to her own game and knowing what she does, and if, if the quality is not quite up to it, she'll ensure that she is. You know, I don't see her uh, taking a step back forwards. I think she's in the she'll go she'll go another four years in the Kiwi Ferns. That one. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because at the, where we are at the men's game, you know, they struggle to fit an international calendar in, but it, it seems like it's perfectly set up with the way that the NRLW is developing, Super League is developing as well. To have a proper international calendar for women's rugby league going forward, and you know. I know we saw PNG get absolutely smoked in the semi, and you don't want to see that at that stage of a tournament. But it is a, a prime opportunity to help develop some of those nations and, and have more regular international football. Oh, hundred percent. There needs to be more, and so that you know, I think the the likes of you know these our southern hemisphere teams, you know, like the, you look across at Kiwifern teams, the amount of Tongan and Samoan players that we have. You know, if they were to start doing what they've done in the men's game, our Pacific nations would have would have their teams in the World Cup. Too because they are quality teams. Both Tonga, Samoa, the Cook Islands were probably, you know, they probably struggled a bit this World Cup, but we've got those Pacifica nations that can step up and play in a rugby league World Cup. You know, they, they bring in the likes of Brazil and France, who are still probably not quite at the standard yet. I was a bit disappointed in Canada. They took a step back this World Cup. I thought they were really good in their, in their first outing in 2017 World Cup. But Papua New Guinea is a great story. You know, their first World Cup 2017 and then to make the semi-final, you know, that shows that the, the, uh, the quality is there. They just, need more, they just need to play more football. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I mean, we've also got the growth of NRLW. I've mentioned it. You know, it's gone up by two teams again uh, for the coming season. So there's going to be more players needed. I, I I don't think it'll be too long before you see a Kiwi Ferns team name that doesn't have any locally based players, right? Yeah, well, that's all. We really need the, the Warriors to, you know, come to the table and, and put in a team. And I know these chats, these things in the pipeline uh, for them to hopefully get into that next intake come sort of 20. 2024, 2025, they, I think they're talking. But, um, yeah, I mean, it does, you know, make it scary. But, you know, you look across our grassroots here in New Zealand, you know, we've got 17s, uh, you know, under 16, 17s and 18s playing regular rugby league. You know, the tournaments that have been around have been outstanding. So the, the want is there and the player base is there. But we need to, you know, be, be ensure that we're not losing them. Um, like we do our men's, you know, that's why we really need that Warriors pathway. Yeah, exactly. It's all about pathways, isn't it? And and the professional game. Actually, on that, you know, rugby league seems to, um, uh, in terms of with the NRLW particularly, have it, uh, the pathway really set up uh, quite well for uh, for the women's game. Do you see 
some of those NRL clubs potentially looking at the, the this Black Ferns uh, team and maybe talking to a Porsche <laughs> Woodman or a Ruby Tui or a Stacey Flewler? I mean, you know, those players could all do great things in NRL. We've already uh, seen, uh, you know, a couple of players go over there from the Sevens programme. Oh, look, I know for a fact they've been talking to them for the last couple of years. I mean, I was constantly in the area. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's actually been a, a fair amount of chat in that space. And, um, you know, obviously you saw Gail uh, Broughton, you know, take her opportunity in that. And um, Gail, Gail would have been in that Kiwi thing. She made herself unavailable. She didn't feel she was quite ready for the Rugby World Cup. And I thought that was, you know, a really mature decision from her. And uh, she's got years in her, you know, she's only a young player still, so... Um, but yeah, I think you know the rugby league is an attractive game, and you kind of want to watch it. Well, you don't kind of want to; you definitely want to watch it. But then, in saying that, the way the Black Ferns are, are taking the uh, women's rugby, you know, that's that's come really exciting products as well. So. Yeah, I, I just love that there's opportunities there for, for our uh, Kiwi athletes. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, mate. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've got yourself set up as a player agent yet, but maybe you should. Maybe maybe that's the next move, honey. <laughs> You're the first one to tell me that. <laughs> I've got enough jobs as it is. <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, yeah, seriously, though, I mean, you, you mentioned that the Warriors are there or thereabouts with, you know, wanting to be involved in the next intake of teams for the NRLW. If you were going to pick a spine, uh, if you were going to sign a spine for a Warriors NRLW, RLW team, and you could, you know, maybe have a pick of this Black Ferns and this Kiwi Ferns side. Who, who would you look at signing, you know, for your fullback, your halfback, um, your 13, and your hooker? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, racing goes to the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, who I would definitely like a Theresa Fitzpatrick in the, in the halves, possibly there. I'd, I'd have a, uh, a Stacey Fluler out of my centres. I would have um, a Mele Hufunga, absolutely, in my centres. Fullback's an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, maybe a Ruby Tui out on the wing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Uppy Nichols is just too experienced to go past for that fullback position. Uh, and she, she just positions herself so well. She knows the game, great kicker. Ooh. Gee, that's a tough one. Just trying to think. Oh, Aisha Latina, gotta gotta have her. She's booked for rugby league. That kid. Yeah, mate. She go. <laughs> she go well. All right. I tell you what, uh, Ruby. Um, Ruby would go well there. She, what do you reckon of her at fullback in league? I know that they've they've pushed her out on the wing in the union because they, you know, sort of with the kicking game of the French and the English, they were worried that her positioning wouldn't be right. But do uh, you reckon she'd go right at fullback in rugby league? Oh, 100 percent. Ruby goes all right anywhere, wherever she plays. She could. She could play as a prop that that one. She's just she's all in everything at 110 miles an hour. Uh, yeah, she, she'd be an exceptional fullback to be honest. Uh, you, you you couldn't not have her in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I can't wait to see what happens and how this develops because it feels to me a little bit like New Zealand rugby's been caught asleep at the wheel with the women's game, and I wonder how t- how watertight those contracts are with with two new NRLW teams about to launch. <laughs> you know, if we're going to see any any players switching codes, honey, it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on, isn't it? <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah, it's great. It's great, and she's keeping her cards very close to her chest. Should be a politician as well, honey. The way you're going, you're getting too many jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll pass on that one. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, what's your pick for the final, though? The Jillaroos, the Kiwi Ferns. What, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be a tight game, and I think if. Uh, you know, that, that opening 20 minutes of the Kiwi Ferns can, you know, start well, get on the ball early. I think if they're chasing the game, they'll struggle there, even though England got on the board first today. I think they'll struggle to chase the game, so we need a good start 
get some points early and then close them out. Uh, mm. I think through our middles, we are too strong, so I'm backing the Kiwis wins 100%. Yeah, well, hopefully you're right, mate. I'm looking forward to that final, honey. Uh, really appreciate your time today, mate. Go well and uh, enjoy the rugby league this weekend. Uh, Samoa, Kangaroos, Jillaroos, Kiwi Ferns, looking forward to all of it. Cheers. Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers, mate. Go well. Honey, hit him a smiler there with us. It is 18 past 11 on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.22 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy back in on Thursday. He'll be amongst us. I tell you what, uh, you could win our uh, biggest ever quaddy tipping series. It is the SENZ Quaddy Crush, thanks to the TAB. Just sign up now with the SENZ win page and you're part of a huge $50,000 pool. Then listen to the good oil on SENZ as we place quaddies on behalf of the Quaddy Crush team right across the Grand Tour event series. At the end, all 300 Quaddy Crush participants will share in the final pool. T's and C's apply. Check the SENZ win page for details. I know Smithy will be amongst that. Something else he'll be amongst is how successful the Black Ferns have been of late, particularly at this home World Cup. And Mark Robinson, CEO of New Zealand Rugby, was on the Black Ferns show with Kirst Stanway last night, and she asked him about that and the direction going forward for the Black Ferns. I guess after uh, the celebrations all died down, everyone will be asking the question, what's next? You've now got this uh, incredible brand, the Black Ferns. You've got an entire nation of five million plus many more around the world that are supporting, that are following this team. So what will you do next to continue supercharging the women's game in New Zealand and actually just rugby in general? Yeah, well, I think the, uh, it's, that's a question everyone's rightly asking, isn't mm. it? And, and, um, you know, we've had a lot of work going on um, behind the scenes. We're, we're standing up a, a woman and girl strategy at the moment that will launch more publicly in, uh, in the near future. Um, and, and a key part of that is to take a whole of game approach here. It's, it's right to ask questions about opportunities for the, for the Black Ferns. And we're working really hard to make sure the in, international calendar is larger than it, you know, it ever has been. We would love to see, you know, consistently be able to play, you know, nine, ten, eleven test matches a year, um, which would be a significant increase from the few they've had historically. And to do that, we need to have a professional club competition that can support that and provide the right, you know, high performance um, experiences and, and create the right environments for these athletes to perform at their at their more optimal level. So we're looking at extending Super Rugby Opiki at the moment and um, and potentially having for next year a, a crossover final series with the. Australian clubs as well. Nice. Um, that builds into a, a Pack Four tournament with with the North American teams in Australia um, and the Laurier Riley Cup, and then we're looking at a, a women's XV tournament, which is an international women's tournament scheduled for the for the end of next year. So, so like I say, that means a lot more more rugby. Um, and in time, like we've already already flagged that we would like to be the first country in the world to host a Lions tour, um, you know, women's Lions tour to to New Zealand. So we've actively engaged in that work and you know I think we certainly haven't put a foot wrong when it comes to showing the world that we can host you know a pinnacle event at that level and it'd be great to be able to take you know a Lions team around the country and, and play in all different parts both test matches and um, midweek games as well so that, that's sort of some of the thinking around the, the international um, side of it looking at growing the investment into um, more and more professional contracts for um, for women and um, and also you know, establishing more 
uh, resource around our high performance hubs to support that. So that's what's happening there. On the community side, as I said before, the the whole game approach is really critical here. So you can't have you know a top end um, performance side of the organisation without having really strong base of the game. Yeah. So we want to do more in, in community. We want to do more in junior clubs and secondary schools where we know we've got work to do. Um, young girls playing the game and um, you know we're now investing more than we ever have into our provincial unions with some clear strategies that relate to women and girls and teenagers especially so so you know we, there's lots to get excited about we believe we you know I know everyone wants us to move more quickly and they always want more invested and more resource but we think that we're at at the moment given we've been through COVID which really yeah. stymied a lot of the work we were down to do um, you know we're feeling in an okay space. There you go. So that is uh, Mark Robinson from last night's Kiwi Ferns, uh, sorry, Black Ferns show, I should say. Well, so many Ferns teams, it's uh, easy to get them mixed up. But uh, talking to Kirst Stanway about the direction of women's rugby and the Black Ferns, and interesting to say that, you know, to see that he said they want to be playing 9, 10, 11 tests a year with the Black Ferns. Uh, easy to say it, you've got to back it up and uh, be interesting to see if there's money that comes with that, particularly um, to get them touring overseas, to get t- touring teams here and uh, to pay them what they're, they're worth as well, Logan. Yeah, I mean, that is the big thing because it is professional sport. But to me at the moment, it's a slam dunk. If you're uh, an investor or a company looking to you know get into a game, the Black Ferns just seems like a complete no-brainer. You're not going into a team that has controversy around them or anything like that. Probably for most companies, they look at this, this is like a squeaky clean image and is is a great opportunity for them now to then jump on that and all the love that they're feeling from around the country yeah. get involved and then you're getting this great publicity out of it as well, this great PR. Look, we're supporting women's rugby. We're supporting the future. We're supporting the Black Ferns. And so I just, yeah, I just don't see any other way other than being a slam dunk for companies or investors to get behind this. Yeah, I think so. I think I think, I think think you're right there. It just needs to be done the right way. And New Zealand rugby need to be doing more than, um, you know, platitudes and saying the right things. They need to back it up with action. Because the other thing that came out is, you know, the All Blacks for winning Rugby World Cup get 150000 a player, mm. right? Now, there's been talk that, you know, um, there should be some fund for the Black Ferns for this. And it's been basically position that it should be on the fans to, you know, start a, a GoFundMe uh, page or a or a Give a Little page and then they'll put all that pot money. No. That is bullshit. Yeah, Silver Lake just gave you how much money? How much is Mark Robinson on a year? New Zealand rugby should put their hands in their pockets and pay these girls uh, the bonus that yeah, they deserve. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, is that not the case with, you know, our, our teams when they go to play in a World Cup? Like, for most sports, there is an incentive there that if you do – particularly well, especially win the thing, you're going to get some kind of financial incentive uh, out of the back of that. And on top of that, you might get, I don't know, beef and lamb. <laughs> or some other, I mean, this is the first thing I think of. Well, you know, you've sold over 40,000 tickets for the final, so there's money there. Yeah, I, yeah, no. Don't, I mean, that's a nice thought if people want to start a GoFundMe page. But really... Yeah, this is the time now. Invest in your future. Get it done because, I mean, we're at the start of something here. I I can't help but think what women's cricket might be like if the Women's Cricket World Cup wasn't under the COVID clouds when it was hosted here. Because, yeah, you know, New Zealand did 
a great job, especially considering the games were only in Auckland and Northland. Did an exceptional job getting behind this team in whatever way that they could. The fact that there isn't a lot of merch options available for people wanting to support the Black Ferns as well is another thing I keep seeing. I think you can maybe get a jersey, but there's no lower tier options like, you know, like a, a T-shirt or a hat when you go to Eden Park and you can easily get a whole bunch of stuff branded by the All Blacks, but not by the Black Ferns. Yeah. I've got a two-year-old daughter at home. I go to a shop. There's All Black stuff. I would love to have uh, Madison wearing a little, like, Black Ferns T-shirt. How easy is that to do? Like, print a logo on. There's so many op- marketing opportunities now with this team. If New Zealand rugby dropped the ball here, it's just, oh, I mean, we're going to do more than shake our heads. It's just going to be unfathomable. Yeah, well, they can't do it now. They can't do it. They need to get this right. And, uh, you know, I think the thing that will back it up, that I think they will probably get it right eventually, as you looked at the uh, the numbers watching the World Cup uh, final on TV, mm. there's a, a demograph, and, I, you know, I don't want to get all sort of marketing and business on it, but there's a demograph that they, New Zealand rugby have been trying to hit for a long time because they have an ageing population fan base. So they've been trying to hit that 20 25 to 45, and they've particularly been trying to hit the female, and they haven't been able to do it. But the numbers for the World Cup final that the Black Ferns just won were everything that they've wanted with the All Blacks. They've been chasing with the All Blacks for 10 years and haven't been able to achieve. So for them, it's right there, it's a gimme. Yeah, and that was huge for uh, TV3 as well to get those kind of numbers there, you know, showing the final free to air. The kind of numbers in the market share that they got, they have been dreaming of for years. They never come close to touching yeah. anything like that, coming anywhere close to the numbers that TVNZ enjoy and that country calendar is always at the top. For some reason. For some reason. Uh, yeah, but, yes, 64, but again, that is indicative of our, of our population, right? Yeah, country totally. calendar. 64.3% off the top of my head is the number of people that watched the Women's Rugby World Cup final in New 1. Zealand. 1.2 million. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's that's huge. Huge numbers. Hey, uh, time for news and sport with Araha. We'll get an update in for her. And then it is up to play Stumped, a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. You want to win that, have a crack at Stumped, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time for Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with uh, Ian Smith. Substituted in quite nicely here by Ricardo Ball over the last three to four weeks with the uh, T20 World Cup. Of course, he's back in the chair on Thursday and no doubt he is ready to go, Ricardo. But of course... You've got a chance here, a couple more chances uh, to potentially stump our listeners. I won't tell you the categories yet, but I would like you to get the pot up a little bit for Smithy's return. Okay, well, I'll try. I'll try my best. Uh, to be fair, I've got to be better than the, with the gloves than Devin Conway was against Pakistan, right? So, well, too soon? <laughs> too soon. Okay. Maybe, Sorry. maybe. I mean, I don't know what your actual keeping uh, skills are like there. I know mine fell off a cliff uh, (laughs) past a certain age. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. But uh, first of the crease, Reid from Gore. Come in, mate. G'day, Logan and Ricardo. How are we getting on, team? Yeah, good, Reid. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's a story, mate. It's a story. Did you watch the uh, the Black Ferns final? You watched the Kiwi Ferns this morning? Yeah, I watched the Black Ferns final. I didn't watch the Kiwi Ferns this morning, but um, yeah, but a good game on Saturday night, wasn't it? 
Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was a great game on Saturday night. I didn't. I went into it not expecting us to win. <laughs> I thought, you yeah. know, I just thought England have, have been so dominant for so long. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it, but I, I'm, I don't have any expectations on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, oh, I couldn't agree more. No, I, I feel that. I mean, you know, when we came to the semi-final at France, I was like, man, this is a different kettle of fish compared to what we had in group play. And then England seemed another level above that. So the the coaching changes that they made in terms of their strategies and the way they changed things during the game, genius by Wayne Smith and the crew to get them through. Yeah. But Reid, for you, mate, $50 TAB bonus bet, uh, up for grabs today. Here are your categories to choose from. We've got World Series Baseball, All Blacks v England, or the NBA. Uh, we'll go All Blacks v England, please. All right, good luck. Those World Series questions have been sitting there on the shelf for quite a while. All right, first one for you, Reid. When is the last time England bet? The All Blacks. Oh, I would say... Was it... Was it 2019, maybe? That's a couple of chips down the wicket. It was a World Cup semi-final. It It sure was, and the less we say about it, probably the better, much like any, uh, you know... (laughs) thing where we lose against uh, England alright second question for you Reid name either of the two players tied for most tries scored against England with eight. Oh yeah uh, <clears throat> I will go maybe we'll try Doug Howlett one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field Doug Hallett always seems to be the like, go-to answer for those kind of questions. Yeah, he's, the, he's one of our <laughs> leading try scorers ever, so it's a, usually a safe bet. Uh, I'm just going back to 95 and thinking about the Mike Cat situation. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Jonah. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right. right in the slot, and the way it goes. Yeah, sorry, Reid, there. You've been stumped back to the pavilion to you. I mean, yeah, when you think England, steamrolling England. Where else do you go? You go Jonah. Yeah, well, exactly. And, uh, you know, after that, 95, they changed Mike Cat's surname from Mike Cat to Mike Front Doormat, didn't they? It's <laughs> the way Jonah ran straight over the top of him. The other player, if you're playing at home, is Julian Savia. Oh, wow. Okay. So, next to the crease, we have Barry from Palmy North. Come in, mate. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, Barry. You, you, you confident on your England versus All Blacks knowledge? No, 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 no not totally. Hey, but hey, how good does this sound? Next year, the, the English Roses come over and they play like eight games. They come over on a tour and, and they play, you know, Manor 2, Bay of Plenty, Canterbury, Wellington, three test matches, something like that. How good would that be? That would be fantastic, mate. That would be great if they could make you it happen. Know, get it out to the provinces and, and then, oh, it, just, it was just, I think, It'd be a bloody good idea. Yes, uh, I mean, it sounds awesome, and it sounds like something you've been thinking about for a while. Hopefully someone is listening to you, Barry. we only got one <laughs> question here, and uh, so it is up for the $50 TAB bonus bet. If you get it right or it goes to Ricardo, you may still get it if Ricardo gets it wrong. Yeah. The last time the two sides, that being the All Blacks and England, met, was it Twickenham, was in 
2018. How many points did New Zealand win by? Mm. Oh, it's only going to be a guess. 218. 218. Oh, no, nah, I'm guessing 14 points. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ricardo, there's a potential chance of a stumping here and jackpotting to $100 tomorrow. Have you got it? No, I don't. Um, I, I can't remember. I've got a feeling we gave we touched them up, though. So I'm going to say 20. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You guys are both so uh, wanting, wanting big scores here. 14-21. It was one point. Ooh, Okay. Okay, I was okay. My, my feeling about them touching them up was completely wrong then. <laughs> so, Barry, does mean by the rules of stump that you still win the $50 TAB bonus bet, mate. Congrats. It's um, a great competition, this one. You, you get the answer wrong and you can still win. Well, where are you going to put that 50 bucks, mate? What do you, have you got your eye on anything this week? Well, I, I tell you what, the way Ryan Fox is going, you, 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 you might have to have a dollar on him, eh? It's not the worst idea, mate. Not the worst idea. Yep. So no. I, I, I think Fox, Fox here to win the big one this weekend. All right, 50 bucks on that. I wonder what that will return, mate. Good luck with it, Barry. Yeah, thank you. Thank Cheers. you. All right, go well, mate. Uh, it's 19 away from midday. We'll have another $50 TRB bonus bet for you to win tomorrow on Stump. Keep your texts coming through, double eight, double three. There's a few piling up there. We'll get to those next on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Fourteen away from midday here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Staff is coming up. Uh, he's going to be in studio with us shortly as well. And after twelve, uh, man, they've got some big guests coming up. Lane Beachley, uh, seven-time world surf champion, on, and also Kiwi Ferns coach Ricky Henry is going to be with them as well after that semi-final win. So make sure you tune in for that. A few texts have come through on the Temper Bed Post text machine double eight double three. Ricardo, read the yeah, New Zealand Ferns or uh, and the New Zealand Rugby Union. You think they'll not drop the ball in terms of remuneration, etc.? Well, I've sat through these guys fumbling the ball for the last eight years or so. So here is me holding my breath. That is from Mikey. Thanks for your uh, text, Mikey. Also, this one from Jared. Um, he has said that um, he thinks a... Um, a GoFundMe page would uh, would work. He says, imagine the shame New Zealand rugby would feel if a GoFundMe page was started for the Black Ferns and it raised an incredible amount, which I'm sure it would. I'd definitely put something towards it. Thank you uh, for that one, Jared. Um, Dan has texted through talking about, I was talking to Honey my Smiler earlier about potential um, Black Ferns that could transition to rugby league and maybe be part of a, an NRLW team for the Warriors. He's not sure if the lightweights like Stacey and Ruby could handle a season of league. With a different kind of consistent impact injuries, it's an interesting one, Dan. Um, I don't know if I'd call them lightweights, particularly not Stacey. Um, but you know, in an RLW season isn't particularly long either. What are we talking? Uh, they're going to have ten teams, so you know, it's it's probably not as bad as you think. And if they're playing outside backs, maybe not so bad either. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting point because definitely uh, the amount of times you get tackled and the amount of tackles you make in rugby league versus rugby is is quite different. What were the ticket prices for the Black Ferns games versus AB's test? That's a great question. I'm not sure. I did have a look, but all the uh, ticket prices have disappeared from the ticket websites because you can't buy tickets anymore. But I think you could get to most games for around $40. Um, 
I would imagine going to the All Blacks would be about $200. So, you know, the, the point you're trying to make here is that the All Blacks generate a lot more money, um, and I get that point, but uh, still you've got to think with all the TV revenue, the sponsorship opportunities, there is an opportunity there for New Zealand Rugby to remunerate the Black Ferns properly. Um, he did ask, if they charge $200 for a Black Ferns game, how many would go? Well, you probably wouldn't get the same numbers. No, you're right, but that's just down purely down to uh, financial uh, means, isn't it? And, um, you know, the weight of the All Black name it can demand that, but that's a lot of that's corporate tickets. And, you know, that is part of the problem that New Zealand rugby has had is that those All Black crowds tend to be older, tend to be more corporate, and they're not engaging the younger fans and they're not engaging the female fans, which is exactly what this World Cup has done. So I think that's the whole point there. Keep your text rolling through. Double eight double three is the number. Paul from Wanganui said the NZRU need to pull fingery the Black Ferns. The FIFA Women's World Cup is coming up in nine months, and I'm sure that will well the young girls and, more importantly, the parents. It's safer, and there's a lot more money available to be made. Yeah, good point, Paul. And another big World Cup on our doorstep in the near future. Remember that the uh, Football Ferns actually play another game today at uh, 6 o'clock kickoff. I think coverage starts at 5.30 for that one against Korea in Christchurch. It is 10 away from midday. When we come back, staff will join us. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.